When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Detroit with the win, and the Sixers have now lost three games in a row. They didn't struggle. You know, they didn't get a lot of shots. I think during that stretch, it was more James than them, so it's just a tough night. So, um... The Sixers bench didn't exactly ball out yesterday, and Doc Rivers was asked about it, but he didn't exactly blame his bench. Listen to this. Well, they didn't struggle. Uh, you know, they didn't get a lot of shots, you know, in, in their defense. I think during that stretch, it was more James, you know, um, you know, than, than them. So, yeah, that's just a tough night. I mean, I, I when I hear that, Jay Will, I think he's talking about maybe James Harden is ball hogging. But we are joined now by by um, Jay. What do you think? Is it ball hogging or not? I I just don't see I don't see James Harden sharing the rock the way I saw him sharing it when he was with the Brooklyn Nets. It, it, it's interesting. It feels like the ball sticks in his hand more now than it did when he was playing with KD and Kyrie or even when he was playing without Kyrie. Um, and it just it, watching the way he plays and the way he attacks and the offense becomes stagnant around him, th- those are big-time questions. And you see the last six games down the stretch, he is, he's been a shell of himself. Two of ten from the three-point line, not shooting the ball well from the field, a ton of turnovers. He's just not the prolific James Harden that we saw last year before the injury in Brooklyn. Now I'd like to welcome to the show. There's some people who are just winning in life. I think like like you know like who's the, like Jamie Foxx, the most talented guy in the world, right? Like some people, Jenea Gumake, hey guys, who's not only a WNBA star and a broadcasting star, went to Stanford. I mean, come on, you're just showing off at a certain point. Let's go, Card. It's Final Four day. Leave something for the rest of us. Uh, <laughs> Jenea Gumake, giving you the straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. What do you think of Doc's statement? I'm not mad at it. Now, I think it's unusual for Coach Rivers because he's a player's coach and he normally does not, uh, you know, throw blame unless it's extenuating circumstances like we saw with Ben Simmons where he had to speak on the player's behalf and his team and his vision's behalf. I'm not mad at it just because it seems like in these big opportunities for, you know, the Sixers to win games and that could also help Joel Embiid possibly win MVP – they struggle, and I'd be surprised. Like, if I'm playing with someone that has the capability of doing something great, especially when it comes to awards, I want that for them. Like, that's the energy I'm on. And I think a lot of Philly players, like the Tyrese Maxis and even Tobias Harris, which a lot of people are crit- uh, critical of, they want the best for, you know, their teammates. So much so that they embrace James right off the bat, saying we need a player available so we can win a championship now. I think with James, it just is interesting because a lot of people say, oh, he's waiting to really show out in the postseason because in the postseason he runs out of gas sometimes. And, like, maybe he's just saving it there. I'm like, 
it's t- it's go time. You're seeing the Bucks look great right now so that they can repeat. You're seeing a number of teams, look at the Suns, still finding ways to win. You're seeing a number of teams get in formation at this point. I'm surprised because Philly had all the motivation, whether it's awards, whether it's getting this big trade, to really put themselves in a position to say, all right, we can win a championship. And it just seems sort of you know casual kind of with James and his play. Maybe it's just him trying to acclimate, but more so I do think, you know, and we talked about it on Get Up, Jay, you're right. He can pass the ball. He can play inspiring basketball that can make people better. It just seems like he's trying to shoot his way into favor, and mm-hmm. that usually never works when you're on a team with multiple pieces that are good. You know, Janae, I don't think he was throwing shade. I think he was trying to explain why the second unit in the reserves wasn't doing as much because the game plan, so to speak, was to have James be the guy and the shots just wasn't falling. That's what I took from that. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I always appreciate honesty and candor. And I do think that, hey, we sort of have let James do his thing on the perimeter and to create these plays in this pick-and-roll scenario to find Joel. Like, those two are our guys and pretty much our offense. And then now you have Maxi, who's keeping them accountable as well, who, mind you, you need him because, you know, he's had a great season up until, like, navigating the last few or so weeks. So, yeah, I think it's Coach Rivers basically saying, I'm not afraid to say your name, James Harden, and say we need more out of you if we're going to have the ball in your hands. And then also, like, hey, we made a decision to put the ball in your hands Mm -hmm. and other people are going to suffer. And I do think it's respectful because a lot of times we talk about things through the lens of the star, but we don't really talk about the supporting cast. And the supporting cast is going to be necessary for Philly to win. Yeah, they. I mean, they lucked out in a way. Not luck, but Maxie is the kind of guy you need Max to develop. Max out with Maxie? You, yeah, you need, you need a guy <laughs> like, like that. that to develop from within, in, usually in order to win a championship. It can't just be stars you, you acquire, and they draft Embiid, and Maxie's... He's a win. He, I mean, a big win. Mm-hmm. There have been some other guys on the Sixers. You're like, oh, maybe it could be him. No, it's Maxie. It's Maxie. It's Maxie. And he's doing something. Shanae brings it up, Jay. Bruce Arians did this with Tom Brady early on, but of course Harden, as great as he's been, he's not Tom Brady. He hasn't won championships. But Arians showed early on, I'm going to tell the truth, if it's Brady's fault, I'm going to say it in front of everybody and and hold everyone accountable. Was this, did you hear it like that? Did you hear? Regardless of whether I heard it like that, I would take it like that, but that's the player I am. Yeah. And this leads to my next question. Like, like, What kind of player is James Harden? Will James Harden hear something like that and take on the challenge or is James Harden the type of player that's like, ah, oh, whatever, I'm just going to keep doing my thing and keep – it feels like he's the latter to me personally. And I think that's the difference between Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, who's so psychologically locked into it, than James Harden right now. Yeah, and I think the hardest thing – because y- y'all know I'm from Houston, and so I've been a huge fan – and I guess I can say it because I'm an analyst, but still, like, if I'm going to be a fan of any team, it's going to be the Rockets. If I'm, if I'm going to be a fan of any player, it's probably going to be James Harden because, you know, you, he he's kept them relatable and uh, he's really kept them relevant, you know, the Houston Rockets. And so when I followed him to Brooklyn and then now following him to Philly, it just seems like he's the same guy. At some point, you have to change or evolve to be the person you want to be. And for me as a player, I made that same decision. You know, I was, you know, a top player in Connecticut and then I had to evolve and now I'm involving, whether it's better or worse, it's just necessary for you to, you know, become uh, the the next best version of yourself. You're seeing it happen with Giannis. You've seen it happen with LeBron James, Uh, even Steph. Like, you know, starting the season, you see Steph, like he put on muscle and he's trying to evolve and keep up with the Joneses. I think we saw a little bit of James Harden's evolution when it came to passing in Brooklyn. And I think it's like, don't forget that. Like there's so many different ways 
to be effective even when you know your identity is shooting the ball and creating, don't forget that you can also find a different way to be helpful, especially for the championship run. Now let's talk something real smart, like Duke basketball, Stanford basketball. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. Two smart people sitting right there next to each other in the room. I wonder who SAT scores were higher at the particular time. But, Janae, right. in all seriousness, <laughs> UConn. Stanford got Duke, brother, in that <laughs> department. I like Duke. Stanford's probably <laughs> the best school in the country. Stanford Stanford the school. Oh, I forgot. In the country. Wait. I forgot we got Columbia there too. Yeah, but, 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 but I'm, I'm Columbia, but I know Stanford is the is <laughs> as an institution, like for 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 academics, that's number one in the you country. You fit in me. there. Shanae, who has more to gain tonight, UConn or uh, Stanford in this win? I mean, this game tonight. You know, this might sound crazy, but I do think it is UConn, just because Stanford's the defending champs. The expectation is for them to repeat. Also, if you look at their you know, they're Scott. They've returned four out of five starters, which in the days of transfer portal booming, mm-hmm. that's impressive. Uh, I think really it is, it's UConn because they're trying to reassert their dominance in a year where Paige Beckers missed a number of games and try to say, hey, we're still here. We're still the top team in women's basketball, even though Stanford's going to win. It's, I love it. Shania Gulake, speaking of winning, just <laughs> winning in the game of life. 2000. 2000. Stop showing off, Shanae. Love y'all. It's been good to see y'all. All right, Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. The greatest franchise by far in the history of American team sports is the New York Yankees. They have 27 championships. 27. However, Damn, Max, really? 27, brother. <laughs> However, in the 21st century and... Guys, we are in the third decade, kind of moving it well into the third decade of the 21st century. They got one. One. Mm. 2009. Go ahead, let it out. Although 2000 was one. Is that two? But 2000, does that count from the, I guess 2000 does count. I can't count 1932, I can't count that, man. I can't count the, I get what you're saying as a Yankee fan, but but I I can't count. But key. I can't count. Pre-integration. Check this out. Post-integration, the Yankees have by far the most championships. By far. You want to go from 1947 on? You want to go from 1961 on? By far, Yankees are killing anyone, except not in the 21st century, where they have two, 2000 2009, and the Red Sox have four. Here is Brian Cashman asked about that World Series drought. Here's his answer. The quote is, the only thing that stopped us was something so illegal and horrific told the Athletics' Andy McCullough. So I get offended when I start hearing we haven't been to the World Series since 09 because I'm like, well, 
I think we actually did it the right way. Pulled it down, brought it back up, drafted well, traded well, developed well, signed well. The only thing that derailed us was cheating circumstances that threw us off. I'm with you, Cash, on 09. Here's my problem. Chris Mad Dog Russo on with Keyshawn J. Willemax ESPN Radio. Chris, here's my problem, okay? I know the Yankees can't win the World Series every year. That's just ridiculous. But do but you? But do it you know is that? my absolute baseball God-given right to insist that they win the World Series more than anyone else, just like they always have. And certainly, Chris, more than the Red Sox. Cashman's been the GM this entire century. The Red Sox are doubling the Yankees. That's my problem, Chris. What did you think about Cashman's quote? And uh, Max, hey, I, I have so many problems with Cashman on this level. Uh, number one, if you go back and look at that 2017 uh, ALCS, the Yankees hit 150 in Houston. They were two for 16 with men in scoring position. And if you take away the bottom of the eighth inning of game six, when the Astros already had a 3-1 lead where they scored four runs, it's not like the Astros hit the ball either. They scored 11 runs in four games in uh, Minute Maid Park. So the idea, and then the Yankees had to pitch Sabathia, who's 100 years old, great pitcher, but at that point he wasn't 100 years old in Game 7 because the Yankees had no other pitchers. So the idea that somehow that the Yankees, uh, and, they, and they also committed one of the worst relays I've ever seen in my life at the end of Game 2 when Altuve scored all the way from first base on a double that didn't even reach the wall in right center field where the Yankees scooted around and he scored to win the game 2-1. to one. So the idea that somehow the Yankees, who hit 156, in, a, in four games in Houston, and that's the reason why the Yankees lost. If that's the case, well, then why'd you fire Girardi, who got fired about two minutes after that series was over? How the hell do you fire your manager? He, he would have won the pennant. You don't fire a manager after you win the pennant. So that's number one. Number two, why would you sign Maureen Gonzalez for the last couple of days? The, Yank, the, the Astro had a career year in 17. Who knows how much of the cheating that he took part in. Had a career, he did apologize when he was in Minnesota, but he had a career year, and the Yankees just signed him. Furthermore, the Yankees are making it sound like 2009 they did it right. Did they see A-Rod in 2009? Steroids all over the place. He hit 365 with 18 RBIs and six homers when he personally, individually eliminated Minnesota. And then the Yankees beat the Angels and they beat Texas. I beat the um, uh, beat, beat the Phillies to win a World Series. And A-Rod, and A-Rod was on the was on the juice. So the idea that somehow that the Yankees. Uh, you know, we uh, got hurt by the Astros is such a bunch of garbage. Chris, so what happened in 2019 when the Astros beat the Yankees that year? Two of those games at Yankee Stadium. What happened in 2015 when the Yankees again were eliminated by Houston and again at Yankee Stadium in a wild card game? So uh, I can't listen to it. You're right, Max. The Red Sox are now the uh, from this century uh, are you know four to one is all you need to know. So that's got to be painful for a Yankee fan. Yeah, the Red Sox are way behind, but they have won four compared to one here this century. The Yankees probably won't win again this year either. I don't think the Yankees are the best team. But uh, listen, when you hit 150, all right, when you hit 150 in four games and you do not, they scored three runs in four games in Houston. How the hell can you blame it on the Astros hitting trash cans when they're when they're on offense? Well, That's what drives Chris, Chris, here's the thing. I think you're taking the bait. I, that, this is the problem. Look, the Yank- if you look at that series in 17, Cashman's got a point that the Yankees were beating the brakes off the Astros at Yankee Stadium, meaning without 
getting their signs stolen. And at, the, at Astros, they were losing one-run games, right? Because the other team knew what was coming. I, I think Cash is actually right about that. But, Chris, it's a distraction. The fact is you are not allowed to have the Red Sox do a better job. Than, whoever's in the Red Sox front office has been twice as good as Cashman for, for the whole century so far. That's my problem, guys. Get it, and not only that, they came from 3-0 down in 0-4 to beat them, uh, which is the first time in the history of, the, uh, of baseball that a team came from 0-3 down in a playoff series to win. I still think that the Yankees, uh, the Yankee fan is still wasting their time thinking that the Astros won that series. But if you want to go the other way with that, Max, I'm okay with it. Uh, the fact that the Yankees have only won the one championship, and I think that championship, God, what would we forget about A-Rod? I mean, my good, let's be honest, he hit 365, and then that was, and he got suspended after that, and then he sued the sport. So, I mean, the Yankees, how are the Yankees so clean in 09? I don't understand. Yep. So that drives me crazy, too. Listen, um, uh, he's, he's done a hell of a job as a general manager. He's been there since 96. He took over when Watson left, and Bob was a great GM for the Yankees and Steinbrenner. He took over. He's had a lot of success, but he's been there a long time. How many, how many GMs in sports do you know that have been in a particular franchise you know, for 24, 25 years? Is this his last year of his contract? Now, they did re-sign Boone. Uh, so, and uh, Boone and him are joined at the hip, but his contract is up after the year. If the Yankees underachieve again and be getting beaten by the Red Sox in a wild card game like they did last year is what I would classify as underachieving. If the Yankees underachieve again, it would be very, very interesting to see what Hal does. Uh, you know, his, his father wouldn't put up with it, but I don't know what Hal would do. And I'm not looking to get him fired cash. But I, I'm getting tired of hearing the moaning and groaning. Uh, i got to be honest with you. And to your point, I mean, the Red Sox have had Charrington, who ran the team. You know, they obviously had Theo, who ran the team. Larry Lachino was up there. But John Henry's been the owner. And Warner has been up there as the owner. And the Red Sox have had a different managers. Farrell won one year. Uh, you know, Francona won a couple years. Coral once. So, I mean, they got three different managers winning three different World Series, which tells you the front office knows what they're doing. Because even when they make the manager shift, the players are still there to help them win titles. So uh, you're, if you're looking at it from a Red Sox-Yankee perspective, you're 1,000% correct. I'm more wrapped up right now on the actual 2017 season, but I understand where you're coming from. from hey, Chris, did you ever think it, back in 1996 that you would now be being interviewed by me on my show, hitting, sitting down in West Palm Beach? Did that ever cross your mind? It sure didn't. It did not. I did not think under any circumstances. And I, you know, I certainly covered Jay, covered you. Uh, I did not think under any circumstances I would be sitting there doing interviews with uh, two great players. Uh, Parcells loved Keyshawn. We all know how good Jay was at Duke, and he would have had a great NBA career. And no, you doing AM radio and me still babbling about sports after 40 years, I did not think that would be the case. You were a thousand well, well, percent correct. Well, here, I want you to – I'm sitting down at West Palm Beach. I went to spring training the other day to see the Houston Astros, cheating Astros, as many would say, uh, playing against the New York Mets. And a lot of Met fans down here are kind of feeling like the Mets are running the team like the uh, George Steinbrenner ran the Yankees. Do you feel like the kids are actually doing a better job at running them like the Yankees, and the kids of, the, of George Steinbrenner certainly isn't doing that. Why is that for the Yankees? Excellent point, Keyshawn. Uh, you know, here's the one thing about the Mets. They have a new owner in Steve Cohen who's worth about $14 billion. He grew up a Mets fan in Great Neck, Long Island. 
Uh, he made a fortune there on Wall Street. Nobody ever knew who he was. He bought the Mets. I think he's getting a kick out of the fact that he's on the back page on a day-in, day-out basis. He doesn't care what the luxury tax is. He wants to go out there and win it. He's 68 years old. He wants to go out there and win it. He's got lots of art. Nobody cares about his art either. But this is a situation where if he wins a title in New York, and, you know, they've only won two. The Mets, you know, under Wilpon only made the playoffs six times in 36 years. They've been a star cross franchise, six miles from the Yankees, who do nothing but win. So this is his chance to sort of take over the town, Keyshawn. And he is, you know, Scherzer, $41 million, $43 million. He brought Marte in. He gave Lindor $340 million. Uh, he's going to obviously pay the grom. He brought a good manager in Showalter. Uh, you know, he has put his money where his mouth is. And you're 100% right. I think the Mets fan is very happy to have him. Now, I do think this. The honeymoon's going to wear off pretty quick because, you know, the Mets have underachieved here. Last year they were bad. Two years ago in the pandemic they were bad. So they got to win, but it's not on Cohen. It's on the team because he's given them players. He's paid the money. Uh, he's gotten a good manager. They got a good pitching staff. The Mets need to win. So to me, it's all on the players. Let's see how they respond. But the owner's done a good job. You're 100% Chris, right. Chris, let's and talk about that pitching staff, my man. What do you think about another injury for Jacob DeGrom? I know. Another. Another. He's got this shoulder tightness. Uh, you know, part of greatness, you got to answer the bell. I mean, you know, I heard people last year say that what DeGrom was doing was, you know, Koufax-like and as good as Koufax, which is a bunch of nonsense. Koufax threw 300 innings every year, won 25 games, and made 40 starts. I mean, DeGrom makes, you know, 22, 23 starts a year, throws 100 innings. That's not Sandy Koufax. I mean, you got to go out there every fifth day. You know, you got to go, you got to answer the bell when the games go on. And DeGrom is not able to do that. He's always got something wrong with him. And the Mets treat him like a baby. They, you know, they treat him with kid gloves. That's part of it here, too. It's, you know, big investment, can't get him hurt, blah, blah, blah. But eventually, you got to go out there and you got to pitch. And he doesn't pitch enough. I mean, let's be honest. He does not pitch enough. You know, it doesn't sound like he's going to now pitch on opening day. You know, we sit there and we treat the, uh, you know, the regular season. We're, we're having pitched 20 times. We'll make the playoffs and hopefully he's raring to go. But you can't compare him to you know, the all-time greats if you don't go out there and pitch. And he doesn't pitch. Case it's a shame because per pitch. inning he is as good as it gets, but he has not been able to stay healthy. He just hasn't been. And part of that, Chris, is probably everyone's got to throw 100 miles an hour for as long as they're in the game nowadays, right? They can't. You can't pace yourself. You got to go, go, go. Then it's bullpen by committee. It's the the game has certainly changed in that way. Chris, what do you think? We we've been having this argument today, uh, or at least we've been discussing it. The scoring title in the NBA, right? And it's always been four points per game. But there have been – Dave Jacoby from Jalen and Jacoby brought up, he thinks it should just be for most total points scored. It's like the difference between the batting average leader, who's called the hitting champion, and the, the hits leader, right? But what do you think it should be? Who should the scoring – when you say scoring champion in the NBA, who should that refer to? Well, to me, it's got to be the average. That means if one guy plays a two games and somebody else strains his hamstring and scores 75, and the one guy averaged 27 at 75, but the guy who played the 82 – Average 24, but he had seven more games to score, you know, 20 points a game. So he wins the ch- – nah, I don't buy that. It'd be like the batting champion in baseball, well, we, it, it, the most hits. Well, how about the guy who's a great batting champion, but he doesn't get pitched to, and he walks a lot. So as a result, he doesn't win the batting title because they are afraid of him and they, and they walk him. While the other guy with the most hits, they pitch him all the time and he, and he, and he gets hits. 
I like the hits. Don't get me wrong. It's a separate category. He's right. It penalizes guys you know, who are good on base percentage. But Chris, yeah, exactly. but, but Chris, everybody's getting the same opportunity here. And for guys, like, you got to play. Like, we reward playing games when it comes to the MVP vote. Why don't we do it for when it comes to the scoring title? And my thing is, if one guy's LeBron's going for the scoring title, you need 58, 58 games minimum, right? He'll play three more games. He'll be, bare, he'll be right there at 58. Whereas DeMar DeRozan has a lot more points than him, and he's played 72 games thus far. Yeah, it's a fair point. Uh, you know, I hadn't really thought of it. That's an interesting argument. Um, I still think it should be. I mean, I mean, here's one thing I would say. I don't. I think it should be more than 58 games. We all think we that. Think yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, you can miss 24 games and win a scoring championship. I think whatever that number, I'll let Jay. He's the. I'll let the two athletes tell me how many games you should play to win a championship, scoring championship. But it should be more than 58 games. At least give me so 65 to 68, Chris. Right exactly. I mean, to me, this is a big kick because I, you know, I'm from New York. How many times I've been driving around somewhere and, and listening to Mike and the Mad Dog and 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 listening to Chris Russo for decades now. So it's I'm kind of geeking out talking. Yeah, to your you on toes the are curling. Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Appreciate you coming <laughs> on, brother. All right, Chris. I appreciate it. And uh, the two of you, Jay, you were a great player. And Keyshawn, I know sometimes you get mad at me. I'll tell you one thing. You were. I don't get mad at you. I got mad at you in 1996 because you were screaming at me on the first interview, and I had to hang up. That's true. Was I really? Jeez. Yes, you it's, were. It's a little belated, but I'm sorry. That's 27 <laughs> years ago. I'm sorry. A little belated, though. Little uh, belated. All right, Chris. Thanks, Hang Chris. in there. Hang in there. All right, thanks. <laughs> Tune in to the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcast. Let's stick with the NBA and last night's huge game in the East. Knocks them both down with a fist pump. Giannis has done it again. You keep having moments like this on national TV. You can start to sway a lot of voters, especially your team wants it with the number one seed. It's good because uh, I'm changing the narrative. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Mm-mm. Radio. Guys, Mm-mm. here's the bottom line. Jay, you set up the game last night. As who's basically whose league is it? I mean, in the playoffs last year, you could say whatever you want about finals MVP and Giannis went off. But he went off like KD and Kyrie were mopping the floor with those guys before Kyrie went down. And then KD still almost beat him in game seven without anybody. The remains of James Harden, no Kyrie Irving. Joe Harris was MIA. Still had a, had a, had a shot to beat him in, overtime, in regulation and in overtime. Airballed the overtime shot, but okay. What just happened last night? KD had two chances to win the game. Man. Missed them both. <laughs> Look, I mean, Kate, I hear what you're saying. Like, I, I understand the laugh because you can see that a very different way. You ain't, not every shot's going to go in. But the, the fact remains, Giannis has went in. KD's didn't. But I want to focus on KD for a second, Jay, because, you know, the, the open man among the stars to me should take the shot. But that's not the way it works usually on a team. Whose hands do you want the ball in at the end of the game? I really believe KD went to Golden State because that's not an issue. In Golden State, it was like you play basketball the right way, and wherever the ball winds up, the open, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, KD, you'll take the shot. But usually, there's a guy who at least the fans look at and go, I want the ball in that dude's hands. Who should the ball, who should hand should the ball be in at the end of Nets games? KD or Kyrie, Jay? Well, it depends on situation, but I'm starting to lean more towards Kyrie here on this one. And 
Like last night was a prime example. Look, if you have two seconds, you obviously rather go to somebody who you think is seven feet tall, can turn around, shoot over the top of defenders. And I look, it's a small sample size because we were looking at last night, KD missed two shots, one in regulation, the other in overtime. And we bring back in last year uh, in the NBA series against the Milwaukee Bucks. But there is something about last night watching in particular – Kyrie Irving's ability to get out of double teams because he's so elusive with the ball. And he's such an incredible, difficult shot maker. You know, when you look at KD and the clutch shooting, his percentage is 33.6. That's at an all-time low. So I look at Kyrie and I look at these game situations. I'm like, even though he wasn't on one last night, I'm still wondering. Kyrie can create shots for himself in a different way than KD can. And I like his clutch-making shot ability a little bit more right now. I hear that key. You know, I look at KD. It's so weird to me. To me, any team you ever put him on, he's going to fit because he can always shoot. He can defend. He can do all these things. And yet, I got to admit it, in clutch situations, particularly against the Bucks, it looks to me like he forces it a little. Like if there's a double, he takes that shot. And that's so uncharacteristic of him. He's usually just making the right basketball play. Yeah, but here's what I'm going to say about that, man. Ain't no damn way. And I get it. Kyrie can get out of the double teams. I'm seven feet tall. I can get out of double teams too because I can shoot over you. And not only that, he missed two shots, one in regulation and one in overtime. He hit the shot last year in the playoffs. The only difference is his little big pinky toe was on the line. Little bitty pinky toe was on the line. If that, wasn't the, if that wasn't the case – we wouldn't even be talking about last but year. It was, though. But but that's more of a shoe. That's more of knowing exactly where you were at. It wasn't that he missed the shot. His shoe got in the way. That was the only thing. I ain't taking a damn ball out of Kevin Durant's hand. You got to be crazy, Jay. You know better than this, man. Come on. When Kyrie joined the team, Jay, he did say, and I understand your logic, because it is uncharacteristic of KD to force it. He seems to force it in those situations, particularly against the Bucks, to my eye at least. When Kyrie first joined, the, when KD first came to the Nets, remember what Kyrie said? He said for the first time in his career, he's playing with a dude who is like even a better, like he's a better scorer than him. He's fine with this dude taking the last shot, right? So but that was more of a dig at LeBron, though. I, I was no, playing no, no, that LeBron no, but you know game. What? You know what? He was, and yet he was also telling the truth. Like, LeBron is not the shooter that KD yeah, but even or Kyrie if, if, is. If LeBron was on the same team with KD, I want KD taking a shot. Yeah. Keyshawn, where yeah. do you think KD ranks in clutch shooting percentage this year in NBA? I'm not just talking about this year. I'm talking about overall. I'm talking All about right, so where do you think he work. ranks overall? Where do you, but just give me oh, this year so we can talk about this year. This year, I would probably say he's probably in the bottom half of this year. I don't know exactly what the numbers say. He's but 11th. It, He's okay. 11th in that's NBA. That's pretty good. That's very okay, good. that's pretty good. Then. Plus shooting, yeah, at, yeah, 40, at 40, so that's, at 40, so, 40% per game. Yeah, it's good. So yeah, there you D, go. Then D-Book is number one. CP3 is number three. I'm just saying. Where's Kyrie? Kyrie, the, the, the sample well, size is really, yeah, I was going to say you can't really say just start. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Because, because he hasn't he, played yeah, enough yeah, games. But I'm saying, though, like, when I think about KD, I automatically would think that KD is top five. The 11 to me is, that's pretty damn good. Like, that can fluctuate. Yeah, but because, Jay, Jay, when you, if you, not taking a shot, you're going to miss the shot. You got to take shots. And KD is taking shots, so his numbers are going to be off because of that, I'm I sure. Know. But here's my thing, though. Like, KD's shooting percentages are off the charts. Right? Like, I mean, what he's – like, you know, look, the, the Nets lead the NBA in mid-range shooting. 
Like Kevin Durant is one of the most efficient players of all time. So but, when, when you have these numbers that are so efficient across the board and you look at the drop-off to the cut shooting percentage, like you're like, that's... But let me ask you this, though, Jay. As a basketball player that played in the NBA and in college basketball and had people running at you, blitzing you at end of games, doing different defensive defensive things to you at the end of games, doesn't that alter your shot selection versus the course of a game? That's what, that's what, yeah, we're, that's that's what, what we're he's saying, about. though. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. asking you, though. I'm saying to you, so wouldn't you naturally see a drop-off in KD's uh, ability to hit those buckets because of everything that's happening to him? You would see a drop-off to a degree, but like, I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, Key, is when you think about how efficient he is, uh, when it comes down to it, how about this? Strictly eye tests. Take numbers out. I think Kyrie Irving is a better difficult shot maker than Kevin Durant. I think Kyrie Irving is with Kobe, you know, the greatest difficult shot maker. He's in the conversation ever. Keyshawn J. Will and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. Who's the best team in the NFL following free agency? Key's going to rank them. And two-time Super Bowl champion will tell him why he's wrong. Going to tell you why you're wrong, Key. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. You're the smartest guy in the box, so I like that too. Key's Real Rankings. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers. It is time, as you can hear from the music, for Key's Real Rankings. Key, what's your ranking yeah, for us today? Yeah, let's, let's start off at number nine. I got the Chargers at nine, the Saints at eight, the Bengals, who appeared in the Super Bowl, sitting at number seven. Now, here's where it gets real interesting. We're talking about the top five teams following free agency now, correct? Yes, the okay. top five, what they did in free agency, whether it's the Saints signing um, Jameis Winston back or whether it's the Chargers getting Khalil Mack. So now, sitting at six. Number six. The Buffalo Bills. Von Miller goes to the Buffalo Bills and joins that already vantage defense, puts them at number six. Number five. Number five, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, they lose Tyreek Hill, but one of the things that they did go out and do is get another speed burner in MVS. Yes, he's not quite the player Tyreek Hill is, but he can still lift that coverage, gives Patrick Mahomes exactly what he needs at the quarterback spot. Number four. Number four, the Cleveland Browns. 
The Cleveland Browns. Should I say it anymore? They add Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson. Now, look, we don't know how many games Deshaun Watson is going to miss or play, but sitting at four based on what they did in free agency. Number three. I got the Green Bay Packers sitting at three, and they hadn't done a whole lot in free agency at all yet, They're, but they're going to cherry pick some of these guys that's still sitting out there. I forecast in that. Because of Aaron Rodgers going back to the Green Bay Packers, I have them at three. Number two. Number two, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Leonard Fournette, the cast of other characters, including the terrific Tom Brady, sitting at two. Number one. The number one team in all of the NFL, the Los Angeles Rams, they won the Super Bowl. As they say, the rich got richer. Now, all of a sudden, Bobby Wagner comes from Seattle, joins them. They bring in Allen Robinson and move on from Robert Woods. All they continue to do is figure out a way to stay relevant in the National Football League and spend Stan Kroenke's money. All right, Key, listen, when you talk, I listen. You were a Super Bowl champion. So, I, you know, I take it you have a lot of credibility. But I need a two-time Super Bowl champion to check your list now. Chris Long giving the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. What's going on, Chris? Max, that's called being in the right place at the right time, being a two-time two Super Bowl champion. <laughs> Chris Long, one of my favorites, big fan of yours, Thank and you, on man. Twitter, by the way, good on social media, too. I, I come and I go, dude. It's, it's, a, it's a lot to be on there, as you know. You know what I always – here's the test for me. Guys like you, uh, Damian Woody's like this. We all say stupid things. Yeah. If you just say enough stuff, some of it's going to be stupid. Yeah. I never see, read you say, write something. It's never stupid. I try stupid. to be careful. I try to be careful. You know, like I say, you want stupid stuff come to my podcast where I don't have time to edit. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right, so what do you think of the list? Uh, key, man. Uh, let's see. I mean, like, we're going to disagree here. I feel like the Saints might be a little bit of a homer pick for Key. Uh, Absolutely. Nepotism. Yeah. yeah. Guilty. Yeah there's, there's, yeah, there's some stuff going on there. I, I, I worry about, you know, the Saints just because, like, um, you know, they're starting over with a defensive head coach. You know, it's 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 a weird fit. Now, this is a guy who's been there and people really love, and there's some continuity there, but I worry a little bit about who James Yeah, but is. see, the, the Dennis Allen fit, though, Chris, yeah. he's been there, right? But but Carmichael was the offensive coordinator who called plays for Sean when Sean was suspended. So I still kind of feel like yeah. that, that that spot for them, that eight spot, is okay. Listen, I like I like the hire when they did it because I was kind of like you stick with the bird in hand. Like one of the hardest things is a cultural overhaul when you change coaches, and Key's probably been a part of that, and I've been a part of it about eight times in my career being a St. Louis Ram for a long time. But I think Dennis Allen gives them stability. I just worry about the offensive top end kind of speed, so to speak. I think the Chargers are kind of getting disrespected here, Key. I know that last year, like I'm looking at them, and they seem like the team, the same old Chargers that shoots themselves in the foot. Every year you say it's going to be different. I do think this is the year it's different. Different. I love what they did defensively, adding a playmaker at the third level of defense, the first level of defense. Like that's the the winning combination. Tons right? of pressure on Justin Herbert, who I love. But I love him. Joe Burrow see, saunters into the Super Bowl in a mink coat year one as a basically first full year as a starter. Justin Herbert can't go in after year three. He has to make the playoffs well, now, and the to, division's brutal. No question. I think they win the division. Yeah. See, Chris, why I have them there is yeah. because of the head coach. Yeah. He's the X factor to me. All of the analytics, I'm going to go for it on fourth down. I saw him lose at least three games for the Chargers. Can he learn from his first-year mistakes? Absolutely. But this is the month of April, and so basically 
I got a few months to fix this. Yeah, and it's so funny because Anthony Lynn caught a lot of heat for like the end of that Buffalo game two years ago when he couldn't get up to the line and get the ball in the end zone or little game management situations. Uh, and, and they were bad on special teams, which was supposed to be his thing. He caught a lot of heat, but I think Brandon Saley kind of skated last year. He was everybody's darling, and then he made some really questionable decisions. So you're right. I think that's a big X factor. I also think that the Niners are completely left off this list, Key. Especially I agree. because, like, the Rams, to me, I agree with you on paper, maybe one of the, if not the best football team in the league, right? But you know how this is, like, law of averages, man. You know, getting back twice in a row is so hard. And so, like, yes, they might be, if this is a power ranking, there's, like, a caveat here, which is, like, playing the law of averages. And how about the team that beat them damn near three times last we'll year? See, we'll see, Chris, it's that a power ranking, but it's a power ranking based on after free agency, the yeah. first wave of free agency, yeah. where these teams stack up based on adding players and losing players. Yeah. I, by the way, I'm with you 100% on the Niners. And the Packers can't be that high, in my opinion. Yeah. In my opinion. I agree. Well, see, the reason they're high – it's because of 12. Remember, 12 was a free agent. Yeah. He came back. So yeah. that's okay. Yeah, you're the, right. It kicks yeah. them up, even though they lose Devontae <laughs> Adams. It kicks them up a little bit, in my opinion. You see how I can convince him, Max? Yeah, yeah. no. Well, I mean, he's freaking Hall of Fame guy, dude. Like, I need, I, I don't need a lot of convincing from Keyshawn Johnson, but I'm just looking at the, at the Packers and I'm saying, like, dude, there's so many loose ends. The, the OC, the passing game coordinator, goes down to Chicago. Lazard's not, not locked up yet. Um, they are 7-0 without Devontae Adams and score 30 points a game, but golly, but it's a lot. By the way, before you get out of here, Chris, yeah. you and I have never met. Yeah. But I want to say this, Key. I'm a big fan of Chris Long, not just the player, but the man. And I'll tell you why. When the protests were going on, when Kaepernick kneeled, mm -hmm. and guys like Malcolm Jenkins were protesting, um, I said on first take at the time, Keith, going back to the Brooklyn Dodgers, when Jackie Robinson broke the color line, he got all this abuse. Pee Wee Reese, Pee -wee the white Reese. shortstop, yeah, remember, yeah. went over to Jackie Robinson at one point and put his arm around him. Yep. And Pee Wee Reese was a popular player. Yeah. And that signaled to fans, you know, this is my teammate. Yeah. And I thought that some white player in the NFL needed to at least put their, I see, Key, you want to say something, put their arms around someone, and you, Chris Long, were the first one I saw who went over to Malcolm Jenkins and put your arm around him, and I thought that was an important moment to well, show some kind of player solidarity that broke through racial lines. Well, nothing proves the necessity for doing things like that more than the response we got from some people. Mm. You know, I, put, I, put my yeah. arm around a, a, a black teammate mm -hmm. when he was protesting things that are totally reasonable to be protested. I got some interesting notes. I'll put mm -hmm. it that way. All, all I can say, the reason I was animated like that, Max, yeah. all I can say is, have you met his parents? If you met his parents then you know where it was coming from. Mm -hmm. That's all I can say. You met Howie you. and yeah, his no, mom, you. you know where it's coming good people. from. They're good I've people. I've met Howie and I told him I was a big fan Max, of yours, by the way. Thank you, Max. Raised a certain that. way. I don't know if we're out of time, but like people that, that bring this up, I always say, like, I hope we can get to the point where you don't get, you don't get so much praise for doing Credit. something so... Dude, I'm with you 100%. People yeah. come up, oh, thanks for being the, for, for doing the right thanks thing. Thanks for being a human being. Yeah, for being a human being, I agree. I can do that. I can handle that. Chris Long, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, a doc who may just need a better bedside manner. That's next. Keyshawn J. Willimax on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 8. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn J. Will and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.